get started. Okay. Hi, welcome to NDE TV. I'm Peggy Robinson. Today's guest is Yvonne Sneeden. And you guys are just going to love her and you're going to love her story. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Thank you for watching. Um, I was just watching uh, you on um, something with Unity a couple years ago, and um, I heard you mention in the beginning, I didn't realize you had went to an all-girls school as a child. Yes, a Catholic all-girl private school. Um, didn't see a male until uh, the only one was a priest. <laughs> <laughs> we were all nuns uh, from from four years old to 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 thirteen, actually. Did you uh, see so your family? Uh, my parents. I saw them on. Uh, I haven't. I didn't see them for nine years. They were too busy making money and traveling the world and. Uh, the three girls, my two sister and I, were where the three were parked in that uh, high-end uh, boarding school, uh, but um, they were just paying twice double during the summer so that we could stay. We were the only three ones staying there. <laughs> Is you were with your sisters? Yeah, the two sisters, my two elder sisters. I was the youngest, uh, so um, I always said that I was raised by nuns but almost like a nun when I left, you know, it was uh, yeah. the rituals and everything. Uh, and you have such a fascinating past because you ended up working for Kings and Queens. Yes, so it's a long story. Actually, I'm almost done with, the, with my biography. Oh, yeah. uh, so uh, it is actually, um, uh, so my parents, uh, so later on, fast forward uh, after college, um, at some point, my parents divorced and they just left us. Uh, both of them were saying, you take care of the kids, you take care. And then nobody took care of us. So we, uh, the, my two sister and I had to take care of ourselves quite young. And uh, I put myself to college alone and uh, was just working day and night. Every day of the year, I didn't have any vacation until um, um, the end of my college year. So... Um, I lived on my own. Uh, actually, I was raised at boarding private school, and uh, at the my, when my parents divorced, of course, uh, they just left us. They, I think I guess they had not uh, developed the emotional link uh, and bond because they were not with us every day. They were just sending letters, and um, we only went back once to visit them. And uh, when we went back. Uh, Believe me or not, I'm not just, I'm not lying, but uh, we had driver, maids, and everything. We had a big, a big property, and yet they never found the time to bring us back on vacation. So, uh, so at some point they said, well, you both take care, and um, they stopped paying everything. So we had to move out of that boarding school. And uh, I was 14, and uh, my uh, 13 and a half, almost 14, and uh, so I will not tell all the story, but at the age of uh, 16, I eventually find myself on my own. Uh, my sister had a boyfriend, uh, and then the other one went to live with a, a friend of her in another town. And at 16, I was just all by myself in a big city, just like DC. And, uh, and everybody had forgotten me. And I said, okay, um, I've always been very positive. So I said, okay, I see that everybody has forgotten me, but I will show the world that, that I'm somebody. 
<laughs> you did. <laughs> so you sure I did. College, I put myself to college, and that's to answer your question at the end of, of my college years. Um, I met in a private uh, party. I met a, uh, a, Thai, a, a man from Thailand. And he was amazing and uh, we dated. He's the one who opened the doors for me. He didn't tell me, we dated two years. He didn't tell me that he was actually uh, from the ancient royal family, uh, the Thai royal family. His last name, uh, when you have his last name, people know, okay, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the historical royal family actually, not the ones that are in throne now. But uh, so uh, he opened the doors for me for, to work there. Uh, after college, and that's how my life changed. <laughs> suddenly, uh, suddenly, I was working with royalties and ambassadors and kings and queens, and uh, I have pictures with the king in Thailand, in in Belgium, in Brussels. Oh, Belgium. Sorry, I grew up in, I grew up in Belgium, uh, in Brussels, in French. So my first language is French, uh, but I worked at the Royal Thailand Embassy uh, in uh, the diplomatic field in Brussels, in Belgium for about seven years. Uh, and that's when my life would turn around completely. Uh, I guess my parents had given us the, the little uh, gift of being raised in a boarding school. Uh, so I, I was able to handle myself in other environment. And uh, so that I just started at the Royal Thai Embassy and, and it turned my life around. I felt that finally I was somebody. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you showed uh, everybody, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, you know, like you see in all those big people in Washington D.C. that goes to to events with long gowns and 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 you know people in the front of doors waiting. I, I did have that life for seven years. Wow. I have some picture with the uh, the Queen of Thailand and uh, the the King now. He used to be Prince back then. Uh, I have some pictures. Uh, of, of that, those days. So yeah, it was a, an extremely great experience. I enjoyed every minute and uh, the diplomat who welcomed me that day uh, when I started my job, uh, it was funny because my back then uh, boyfriend and uh, we unfortunately, you know, I, he was much older than I was and, and he said the most beautiful thing somebody can tell me. He said, um, I was just, 22 out of college, he was 30 something. And he said to me, um, I know that one day you leave me, but you're worth investing in. So I'll open the doors for you. And that was the biggest love, you know, that somebody can give. He knew because I was so young, yeah. but he also saw how my life had been in you. And he said, I'll open you the doors. And uh, so he said, but you have to have your driving license to, to be able to get that job. So I quickly took the driving license because in Europe, it's not like in the US. Uh, you know, I mean, especially in Brussels, you have, it's a big city. Everybody takes the, the, uh, the subway and you, know, you don't need a car. So I quickly went for, for my driving license. And so just got it two weeks before I started. <laughs> and we traveled to another city to, he wanted to introduce me to other diplomats uh, in, in, in the Netherlands, in Rotterdam, where there was another a diplomatic uh, embassy and it was so funny because he introduced me oh the new marketing officer this is the marketing officer I was an officer I mean I, my life had been from like so miserable I mean hard and then suddenly I was 
uh, a marketing officer in the diplomatic field. And so he said, on the, on the way back, you, you know, I drive on the way there, you drive on the way back. We won't have the, the, the driver with us today so we can connect and talk about the business. So I said, okay. And it was about three hour, two and a half hour drive. So he goes there and uh, introduced me like, and then on the way back, it was raining. And he said, you are driving. And, <laughs> and, uh, and it was raining, I was so afraid. And I put myself right on the side and I drive like at 40, 50 miles an hour on the highway. <laughs> I was so 40 miles away. And I always remember he said, park quickly. As soon as you can, I'll drive back. And I thought I had lost my job. And he knew I wasn't a good driver, just a new driver. But he was the most amazing diplomat that actually um, trained me to, to work. And I had the best experience. Yeah. So what happened after that? And well, after that, uh, here I am uh, working and meeting all those big people and um, traveling and going to, to Thailand and meeting, you know, that fancy life that, you know, uh, most of our reception at the ambassador's residence and, and meeting with, uh, with uh, you know, higher people. I felt, okay, now I have a, a, a arrived. I am somebody. And um, I, I don't want to say anything. My, eld my two elder sisters, I love them so much. They've been also, they were also in their journey uh, trying to survive because we're just left the three of us. And, uh, um, and uh, actually, so we are very, very connected. Uh, they both live in, in Brussels, Belgium, and I live here. So, uh, so after that, um, my elder sister, unfortunately, was in a very abusive relationship. So she couldn't see me. Uh, so we couldn't connect, you know, how abusers will yeah. actually um, yeah. isolate the person so they can be with anyone and he, they can have control. That was my eldest sister. And the other one was wonderful, but she lived in another city. So basically I was on my own there, but that life was, uh, and we were going to all those receptions and cocktails and, and what started to strike to me, you know, opening up was we were, I was watching, I always remember, I was watching a very dull painting because it's also a very, uh, it's a very, uh, diplomacy is, it's the word diplomacy. Everyone is diplomat with each other. The words are important, how you talk, how you share, everything has to be really great. And um, so, but sometimes it can also be a, uh, not very down the surface. Yeah. So I was there watching that dull painting. I always remember it was very grayish. It was a, a, a ocean and a, a little boat on it. And that I remember it was a, a, a diplomat from New Zealand and he and I watched that painting and we saw oh, that's a beautiful painting. You know how in that environment you have to always just uh, speak uh, in a very no you know, I've never been in that environment <laughs> okay oh I'm sorry I'm sorry yeah, no, no. no no I find it interesting <laughs> I'm yes. just saying well, I haven't... You know, those people those people are just like us you know we always magnify celebrities or diplomats or politicians we always magnify them but when you are with them talking to them to just people like us with the same problem, family problem, couple of relationship, kids, uh, they, they just happen to be in that position. And uh, so that's what actually made me not be intimidated by, by now, by people in high position, because I, I've been there. I, you know, I've 
been in that place. And so I'm with that, and we are both looking at that painting. And I say, oh, I, uh, he said, what a beautiful painting. And I say, yeah, especially the colors. And I'm thinking, what are you saying? I mean, this is ridiculous. It doesn't mean anything. What is the meaning of life? It feel, I feel as you, your life is passing by, you have everything now, you're happy, uh, but something is missing because I knew with my childhood and all the things I had experienced that, there were, that life was more than just a shallow cover. And I said, I have to, to find the truth. I have to find it. Uh, and I'm gonna try to find what is the meaning of our life. And, and uh, that was the beginning of my spiritual search and my ex-husband, uh, I, I, I met somebody after my Thailand man who went back to Thailand. Uh, his family was ready to offer me everything I wanted, a job, uh, a house. They were the most wonderful, wonderful people, but I wasn't in love with him. And it's, I, I was young. And as he said that one day I would leave him, um, he had given me the most beautiful gift uh, because it's when I left him, I said, I can't live with you. I'm not in love. I want to be honest with you. I've always not been somebody who tries to be with somebody with money. I could have been today really, really extremely wealthy. But uh, I said, I but you saw I'm... that's empty. Yeah. It's a dead end road. Yeah. And he actually knew I was leaving him. And he opened the doors at the Thai embassy for me. He said, I'm going home, but I wanna make sure you are safe. This is the most beautiful unconditional love act somebody can do. You know, you're leaving a person, you're breaking up and yet the person see beyond it and wants your welfare. I mean, this is just <coughs> unconditional love. And, and um, yeah, so, um, so eventually uh, this painting and this conversation was the beginning and in the meantime I had met uh, my ex-husband and so we went to uh, uh, we went to Brazil on vacation and we were those rich you know not rich we were not rich but well-off people vacationer selfish oh it is our vacation we are going to have fun and make the best fun of us and and who cares if people are in misery because we would see a lot of beggars and we say okay we don't want to see that uh, this is uh, not our vacation, we don't want to see bad, we just want to be happy. And uh, I think now I call it selfish vacation because we were all about ourselves and we didn't care. And we were young. Was, <laughs> we were young, but there were so many kids uh, in the streets. And they were, there was a, at six o'clock in the evening in Brazil, you have a carpet of kids sleeping in the street alone. They have been abandoned and they are begging at your table. And uh, that's when I started to realize that something was wrong and I wanted to know the truth. I said, there is something in life that's missing. There's something in life. I mean, why are those you're almost one of those kids. I mean, yeah, maybe that's why I could identify because I was and then I saw the people, you know, that we were at that restaurant. We we gave them the food. We were so embarrassed. We gave them the food. They had a plastic uh, plastic bowl. And then they went to the next one. And these were local people that were used to beggars. So those kids go there, they're, they're finished to eat, they're over the meal, they don't eat anymore, but, and they're full of food. And they just, 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 just tell the kids to leave and they don't give the food. And I said, you can get used to misery uh, because they, they just didn't care. And I, so I look at that kid, he was four years old and I, I, about four or five years old, and I would look where he was going with our food. And I saw him share that, that bowl with a younger kids, probably three years old, and they were eating together, sitting on the floor. 
And this, I said, no, I have to know the truth. I have to know why I see those kids in the middle of the night digging in, in trash, in trash uh, uh, can, and uh, there must be a reason why. And then, so I forgot about that. And we went to the north uh, near the Amazon, in the Amazon forest with my ex-husband, and we had a trip in, in the Amazon forest. And uh, we're in the city and that's what made my life change is when that moment, uh, we are walking towards the place where we are going to take the boat. And I feel like some, I'm bumping into a pole and I say, oh my gosh, I'm bumping on a pole. And what I see is a man without arm and without, without arm and legs and with a, a, with a head in front of him begging for money. And uh, I just pretend that I couldn't, I didn't see him because it was vacation for me. You know, I wasn't the, the person I am today. I was that ambitious, it was me and I was going to be the best one, the richest, the, the, you know, I was so ambitious. And I, I pretend I didn't see him. And in the evening, we were back to go to the hotel. We had to take that same street. And I turn, and, and then I see from a distance, he was still there, but somebody had turned him around. So he was still facing us again. But this time I saw him. And as I was walking towards that man, so I, I prepared some money. I said, okay, now I have to give money. I cannot pretend anymore. And uh, as I was walking towards him, um, close to him suddenly he was so radiant he had that huge smile and he was so radiant and I honestly heard an audible voice an audible voice telling me you have everything he has nothing but in reality you have nothing and he has everything because he knows God because what he knows God oh because he knows God. Wow. It means, in, you know, it was just the most incredible. I heard it like I hear you speak to me now, saying, You have everything. He has nothing. But in reality, you have nothing. And he has everything because he knows God. In the sense that, wow. you know, in the sense that he knew God's love. He knew God's unconditional. He might have had an ND, who knows? We don't know to be in that state. Uh, he probably knew what love meant, what unconditional love meant, either through his sufferance and his vulnerability. And I was there hiding my pain of my childhood through ambitious uh, goals. And, uh, you know, and it's good to be ambitious, but it's also, you know, if you just focus on that, you forget the meaning of your life on earth you know, which is much, it's giving to others and seeing others and, uh, and helping one another. And you were out to prove yourself. Yeah. Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, it, and it's typical. I mean, you were young and yeah, which is good. I mean, it's good because we have to go through those phases as well. And I do think that sometimes throughout our life, we get somebody tells us something, we get another event, which actually brings us to, uh, to mat a mature person that we are today uh, as well. And, and, grow. and how did this all lead up to your near-death experience then? Well, uh, I will fast forward when I came back with my uh, ex-husband. Uh, we are very good friends today. Uh, when we came back, I, I searched for God, I searched for... And the way I found uh, God was through um, through Christ. So one day, I mean, I did that moment with that man change you? 
Yeah, when we came back, my ex-husband and I, we said, we have to find out what, uh, no, after that moment, yeah, we have to find out uh, what's all the meaning of life and who that God is. And suddenly I remember for me, I mean, I'm not talking about anyone else, but for me, it took me back. I said, okay, God, my childhood Catholic, we were going to the mess every morning when I grew up at six in the morning with the nuns. So we knew the gospel. And I said, okay, for me, God is linked to, to Christ. So I, I went to, uh, that was my experience, my, my life experience. So I, I went, I said to my ex-husband, I said, I think I'm going to try to take, to read the gospel again. Uh, and, and, and that's how it started. When I read the gospel, uh, I read the love, the unconditional love Jesus had for, for me. Uh, and I started to cry. And, and that was the beginning, because I felt that there was a being there that was unconditionally loving everyone, healing everyone, helping everyone without actually having anything to receive back. And I'm not talking about, uh, I, I want to see to make sure that I'm talking about the essence of the gospel. I'm not talking about any man-made uh, church or movement or anything. I'm talking about the Jesus, the person, the, the, the being, the, the one who brings unconditional love, who brought unconditional love. Into so do you life. think what that man said brought you back to your Catholic upbringing in the school or just a new search of? Yeah, it, it brought me back to a new search. Uh, I wanted to, I felt that love. And from that moment on, I just wanted to, to feel that presence, Christ's presence. And my ex-husband and I, we, we went into, I'm just going to fast forward to get to my NDE. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it abruptly like that. My dog come in, distracted me. And I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it abruptly. Like, how's that? I think you're an NDE. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to tell all my life. No, no, no. Uh, I wanted to hear it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean for it to come out like that. My dog no. come in and distracted me, and I and I don't know. It's like, why did I say it like that? Because <laughs> no, no, I love I, your story. Just keep talking. I I really don't even have to apologize. I have not felt any any anything about it. Uh, I'm very laid back, and uh, no. So we went into the we gave our life to Christ. Went into the ministry, and uh, but then after a few years, we divorced. And um, so I went back to the secular life. I had left my, my job for a couple, two, two years. And then I, I went back to work for this time for the European, for uh, the, a lobby to the European Union, uh, for uh, one, the, the major Scandinavian lobby to the European Union. Uh, it was a great, great job, great people as well. And I didn't want anything to do with uh, uh, being in a ministry anymore, I wanted to go back into a normal life because I, there was there were some hurts there, but some amazing moment and some hurts as well with the divorce. So I decided, and uh, a few a couple of years later, I met an American man, and that's how I moved to to here to the U.S. Uh, and um, to fast forward. Um, the, the dating, the courtship time was amazing. And then uh, as soon as I arrived here, I feel, I'm not gonna talk for him, but I felt, and my friends felt that too, that I was in an abusive relationship. And uh, it was extremely difficult. I mean, really difficult. I had left everything behind and uh, all my dreams. So you went from a guy that promised you the world and gave you the world for an abusive relationship, like us women. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, uh, it was just the most, um, was extremely difficult because I was alone here. And 
Uh, I had my daughter. I didn't know the country. I didn't know anything. Uh, what, uh, how um, uh, the healthcare system work, how banking system, foods. I would go to a store, a grocery store and spend like three hours because I didn't know which brand was good and which was not good. Uh, the names were totally different. A schooling was different. You know, it's when you move to a new country, uh, everything is different. So you have to kind of relearn everything and let go everything you knew before, even to the details of of brands of food and brands of uh, stores and what does what. And I assume I, you know several languages. Yes, uh, I, my first language is French and then speak English. Uh, I grew up in Belgium, which is a bilingual country, so I, I, I can handle speaking Dutch uh, much better before than now. And I went to college for uh, economic politics and languages and I learned German there as well. So I, I can handle, if I go to Germany, I can handle myself around. Or if wow. I go to, yeah, so. I uh, speak Hick. Yeah, well. You come down you know, here and you'll learn speak hillbilly. <laughs> well, I learn also a Southern. Uh, okay. That's where I live, so. Yeah, you're sure down South. You know, but I had learned English with English people from the UK because Belgium is opposite to, I, I have to say that I went to uh, live in France during the ministry in the Bible college, everything that was in France uh, that happened. So I lived in France as well, but it's the same language, it's French. So, but uh, I learned English with British people and in college, I, I was also learning English with British people. So when I moved to the US, the American accent, it took me six months to understand what people were saying because the accent was totally different than the British accent. <laughs> so you would think that English is the same language, but actually accent can, it's like in French, we all have different accents in French as well, you know. So. You have lived a life, that is for sure. Yeah, yes, and oh, yes, oh my God, it's like, I feel like I've lived three lives. In yeah. One. And uh, that's what led me to my NDE, actually. It's when uh, I had, you know, I asked for the divorce. Uh, he had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful family. Everybody in his family was amazing. Uh, I mean, uh, him and I, he was more like, I'm not going to say anything because he, he might listen to my story, <laughs> but, <laughs> One but second. Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> my dog had puppies and she's hungry and I had to give her something. <laughs> she's tearing everything apart looking for something to eat. <laughs> oh How old is he or she? She is three years old, and this is her fourth litter, and she had nine puppies. Nine. And she's so hungry. <laughs> oh, my God. She just had the baby? Two days ago. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's probably why. Oh, wow. Yeah, so and she's just, like, tearing everything up, and I'm, like, getting distracted because she's just, like, making all this noise. She's just hungry. I just threw her some oh rolls. <laughs> <laughs> She'll calm down now. So I'm sorry. Um, did, you, did you keep all the dogs? I'm sorry. Do you have all those kids and baby? Dogs? We have the mom and the dad, and we had gave gave away the other three litters to people, okay. give them okay. for free to people. But this, um, but we got the one of the pups back. 
they had it a year, the family had it a year and they did couldn't keep it anymore. And so we took it back oh. and we call him junior and he got the mom pregnant before we could get him fixed. <laughs> so this is uh inbreed puppies, but they look fine. Oh, wow. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Oh my god, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, animals are amazing. Uh, they're amazing, you know. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's just like if I didn't no, feed her, no. she would be probably jumping up here for a minute. No, don't be sorry. Just feed I'm... nine kids here. <laughs> Give me a freaking bone. You already had such a beautiful heart because I know you have adopted so many kids yourself. Uh, I've always admired you for that, how you change the life of so many children. I mean, I, I have only one daughter I've raised and I just imagine all the energy and the love and, and, and care you have to give and and you know you did an amazing changing life i don't know where i had the energy like i look back now and I'm like, i don't know how i did it because yes. i worked full-time went to school full-time and i had 14 kids yes <laughs> i mean i don't know how you had that energy it's amazing yeah so i had i was i ran a four-hour sleep and i did great yeah. i was just i felt like superwoman you know and they called me you want more kids okay what's four more you know okay and your job <laughs> the, was also very taking it what you were a social worker so yeah. on top of that you had other emotional you had to invest emotionally into uh, i mean it was a very emotional work because it there were a lot of sadness in, yeah. in, in probably in that yeah time. i quit the uh, investigation social worker job um several months after we adopted the first five mm -hmm. and because i wanted to um, have some home time with the youngest ones to bond okay. Oh, that's great. That's really great. Yeah. yeah. And and it probably helped you having that job help you raise those kids really well. Because my daughter has finished psychology at UNC Chapel Hill. And now she's taking clinical social work because she wants to become a therapist. So uh, so I know I know, you know, it's actually I know what she has to give uh, for, for, of herself now that she's in, in internship. So it's uh, so it's, it's awesome. a, beautiful, a beautiful work. So awesome to see your kids succeed and, and do some meaningful things yeah. in life well for others. Yeah. yeah, my oldest son he uh, just won uh, third place in world championship in jujitsu last week. Wow! Congratulations! How yeah. old is? He? Yeah, then he just uh, got regional manager. He works for OSHA, and my other son he's like manager in his position in accounting and um for the military and it's just like they're just doing so good i mean he's not in the military but it's on a you know, base you know versus the federal government but they're just doing so good i'm so proud of them uh you know that's the the happiest thing as a mother is to see that your child can make it through and 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 succeed because so many children are not that strong you know and uh, to get through that so that is really beautiful yeah. Best part's the grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we have all the happiness, but not the, the stress of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, the grandkids is just it. <laughs> yeah. Just like I walk in the house, as soon as I set eyes on grandbabies, I'm in heaven. I mean, I might as well be floating on air, you know, and I just like want to cry when I leave because it's, I'm so happy when I'm around them. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, you must have many, uh, how many grandkids with all those children that you have? Yeah. No, the adopted kids, they go back to biological because we adopted older adopted kids. And so they okay. go back to biological when they turn 18. 
okay. they want to show that loyalty to them. And so, you know, I talked to them some, but we're not real thick like we okay. was when they were home. But so basically it's back to my three boys where we originally started yeah. and their kids. And, you know, my cup just runs over because it's just wonderful. Because my boys, they grew up always having other kids around. You know, we always took in kids. We had 60 over, you know, uh, from 1982 to, no, the last one graduated. That's the doctor graduated. Yeah. Uh, so you were foster, you were so foster eight years ago. Huh? You were foster parents. Yeah, we were foster. I had, I did foster care with my ex and then we divorced. I continued doing foster care because he really wasn't into it. It was just something I did. And so my boys, they always had, you know, other kids in the house. They shared their Christmas. They shared their birthdays. They shared their vacations. They shared everything with kids we had coming in and out. And, and it's just wait, when, and then uh, my uh, son, one of my sons ended up adopting two before they had their own biological. Have you seen and, that example you showed to your children yeah. about, about giving and changing lives? That's, that's beautiful because now they adopted. They wouldn't, might not never have done that if they hadn't had you as a mother. You know, yeah, I mean, they wasn't conceiving, and so they thought foster care, and they yeah. you know, foster to adopt, and they worked out really good. They got uh, babies right from the hospital after they're born. Yeah. I always rare child as well, but uh, I was alone in the U.S. And my daughter had already uprooted, you know, her, and it was just. Uh, but if I had been in a relationship, I think I would have adopted or fostered because I, maybe the flash of me being a child without any parents, you know, maybe I wanted to do something different like that. But, uh, but I'm glad you did. I'm glad. You I did. would still be adopting, but my husband was like, no way. <laughs> I would still be bringing in kids. <laughs> <laughs> There's a time for everything, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're done with that chapter. Now it's on to grandchildren. <laughs> yeah so do you want me to go on sure, sure. Uh, what brought that and so that nde came uh, that's how it came uh so i move out uh i'm with my daughter i had a wonderful girlfriend who had moved out from an abusive relationship herself so i took over her apartment and she bought a house so it was just working perfectly and uh, we started our life again, but you know, I was on my own. Uh, we had been only together eight months with that uh, man. Uh, so I was still new in the country and uh, I had to start everything by myself and making sure. And I was working really hard because I wanted my daughter to have the same as every other children uh, in school, uh, being able to do some some activities uh, she loved to you know she went to ballet or uh, she didn't like it I kind of forced her for two years and then she she gave up and uh, it was a good thing she was an amazing musician and singer so you know I wanted to um, to give her everything and so I, I started to work and work and work uh, hard um, and uh, day and night so to make sure she had a future and uh, the good thing is because of my background, professional background, uh, I had I found a job here in the U.S. in public diplomacy initially, uh, in my in my town where we had we welcome, uh, polit you know, act activities, political or diplomatic activities, and it was a great great job actually. We were uh, that office was invited. It's a government office. They were inviting people from different countries. 
uh, public diplomacy, it's called as well, uh, the countries that they have, that the US have issues with, uh, they would invite them to, to visit the country and it would change people's mind that, oh, you know, that's how you, you can connect when you know the country instead of talking about the country and not knowing, but they would come and, and be able to connect with people that were doing the same job as they were doing back in their country. If it was a mayor, they would just meet with a mayor here. If they were uh, head of a, a television set, they would meet somebody here. So that was my job, but it, it was just a blessing that I had found a similar job as in Europe. And yeah. then, uh, but, um, but then, you know, the travel and I'm not gonna, so I had to- I can't to, imagine what your resume looks like. You can yeah. probably get a job anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, but my, the man I had married uh, told me when I moved here and we were together, he said, well, with your accent, I don't think you'll find a great job. You'll be somewhere in a, you know, lower job type and because you have an accent, you won't find a job. But so I thought to myself, I know my value, my professional value, you know, and so I went myself to knock on doors and here in, in the city with, uh, you know, trade centers and, and clubs and and eventually, that's how um, that's how I found a job, you know. And uh, I remember him not talking to me for two weeks. Honestly, not talking because he was so upset I had found a good job. <laughs> and <laughs> most spouses would be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, no, but it was really a different story here. Uh, Control. Yeah, it was difficult. And uh, so, anyway, uh, I'm on my own. I have to to find life again to rebuild everything. Uh, and I started to develop arrhythmia because, uh, I, you know, maybe the worry, the work and, and having to adjust uh, my body was uh, probably responding uh, to that with uh, arrhythmia. So I would have bad, bad uh, uh, crisis of arrhythmia for people that n don't know what it is. It's your heart that's actually racing faster than it should. <laughs> Uh, so fast that you cannot control it. You cannot just say, okay, I'm going to rest and it's going to stop. No, it just go on. And uh, so I started to get worried and I went to the cardiologist. At the same time, emotionally, I was at the end of everything. Uh, so I was just handling those two things and I guess they were connected. Uh, I was absolutely not suicidal, uh, but I had felt in me supernaturally that that was it. The end of my life was was near, and I had zero worried about it. It feels like okay, that's normal. Uh, you know, it's like when you have been diving as a sport, and then suddenly you say, "No, I just don't want to do that anymore. I want to do soccer." You know, and you just change. That's it. You, I'm I'm done with it. And that's the feeling. I I felt like okay, uh, that's it. Uh, you know, like a battery that's depleted. And that's it. Uh, that's how I felt. And at the same time, the cardiologist had given me some monitor and then he said, well, and he gave me some medication to take when I had a crisis, when my heart would beat faster. And uh, so I, I always say that I, uh, I unconsciously overdosed because what happened is that when I didn't want to have any crisis, I said, and it's often happened in the evening, it was often happening in the evening, I said, I don't want to be having a crisis, so I'll take the medication so I have a peaceful evening. But actually, that was not very smart of me because if your heart, my heart was beating normally and I'm taking a medication to regulate the beat and slow oh. it down, you see what happened? Yeah. And <laughs> it's already slow. <laughs> yeah. And 
and my friend who works as an anesthetist, 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 sorry, anesthetist here in Duke, she told me uh, about the medication and she said, you're very fortunate to be alive. Those, you know, uh, you, can, you could have passed because that it could, have, you know. So anyway, that's a story. So here I am, the, my first NDE, I've taken the medication. I feel like, clap. oh, I had called my sister in Europe uh, and I had told her, Mimi, I call her Mimi, I am actually going to die. I said, I feel it in me. I'm sure, I'm 100% sure I'm going to die, but don't worry, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I, I don't know. And then I told her uh, that I was, I had bought some gowns, some uh, pyjama, beautiful ones in case it happened during I sleep. I still, I will be still decent, you know, <laughs> uh, looking. And, <laughs> and every day I was just making sure that, I mean, this is ridiculous what you can think of when you know you, that you're going to die. I mean, it was yeah. really, I, and I was younger. So I was just, I would never think of that today. And uh, so, so here I am, I've taken the medication, the first one. Uh, I have I've had two NDs. Uh, I'll tell maybe the second one uh, because otherwise it's gonna be too That's long. That's fine. Both of them are too long. So I had the first one and uh, about three weeks later, I, I had the second one, which to me, I call the big one. Uh, so the same situation, I take the medication that day when everything is normally fine. Uh, I take the medication and, I, and then I'm just reading the Bible. I mean, I was reading a book, the Bible, if you want, on the sofa. And one moment I am actually reading that book and I feel my organ shutting, but instantly I'm in the light. I'm instantly, so one moment I'm here and then the, sec, the next second I'm in that light. And uh, I am actually like a um, worry-free. It's a beautiful light. It's, I say it's God's light because it was filled with love, kindness, joy. I was in, this, in the state of the utmost happiness. Uh, anything that happiness is, and you amplify that by millions, uh, that was the state I was in. It, it was, it was totally worry-free. I, I had no stress, no anxiety, no, no sadness. Uh, that didn't even exist in the in the place I was in. It was uh, the light of unconditional love of God. Uh, you know, when you're in the peak of what jo what joy means or happiness means, I was at that peak of joy and happiness of everything that can exist, not only in this plane, in this life, but maybe in other planets, all the dimension. What is the highest level of happiness and of joy? And I was just basking in that, like that, and that was, and it was light all around underneath me. It was just pure light everywhere. There a was body? Excuse me? Did you have a body? Could you see yourself? I, you know People always ask me that. I never saw my body. I was not even thinking of looking my body uh, because, uh, and some people that had NDE, they don't remember how they, they don't know how they look either. Uh, most of the time they say that. And I'm I look saying, damn, I was in bright white light and I see there's nothing there. 
So you so you see, you looked at yourself. I yeah, never I looked down because I was just basking. I was floating in the white light, and there was nothing. Not that I was still me. There's just no body at all. So you see, uh, so I'm glad that you said that because I've been asking to other experiences, how did you look like? Because I never saw how I look each time, even in my first NDE, I didn't see how, and I met beings, I met people, but I never looked, oh, how do you look like? I guess I looked like them if I was going back home. You see what I mean? Uh, it was pure light. I think that we are pure light and we can take a f the f in, that, in, in that world of light, we, uh, heaven, we can take the form we want, uh, but initially we are light, like God is light and we are light. If we are coming from God's light, obviously we are light too. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it makes so much sense uh, that he, if he created us from itself, so we have the same component uh, of light. But no, I never saw myself. I was just basking and like, I'm sure you understand the feeling uh, also if you were, I'm so excited that you were also in that light. Yeah, I went from the wheelchair, but I had a tunnel in between. You what? I was in the wheelchair in the hospital, but I had a tunnel in between. Like you were just there like that. I had, I went through a tunnel first. Yeah, no, you know, um, I, it is true. I didn't go through the tunnel. My first NDE, I was taken by two angels through space. Uh, so, um, but, so maybe another interview together. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> do you want to tell that first one first? What happened with that NDE? Uh, but I mean, you. it's it's a long and okay. uh, I don't know if we have time here. Do we have time? It's up to you. I have time. You know. Uh, well, I can, you know, I can say it. Uh, it's so different than the second one, uh, but uh, okay, I can, I can take, I can tell the first one. Actually, the first one um, was when I took the medication, and I was laying. Oh my God, it's a difficult one to say because there's element of um, of spaceship in it. So, is it okay if I tell the sure. story? Sure. Sure. Uh, that's why, you know, I, I want people. I'm curious. That I'm credible. And oh, don't worry about that. I know you're a truthful lady. You know, sometimes, I know that. sometimes near that experiencers are uh, not always comfortable telling everything because they feel, we feel, they feel afraid of that people will think that that's way too much. That's way. You don't have to fit in no box here with me. Uh, so I know you're I, a truthful lady. Okay, so the first one, I took the medication and I go to bed. And as soon as I lay my pillow, my head on my pillow, I am outside my body. I've taken that medication again. It's like a little lozenge. I mean, the side effect of that medication can be uh, a heart situation and sleep apnea. That's happening all the time. So do, did I have sleep apnea? According to my friend who is uh, um, anesthetist, she told me that that's what happened and that I was really that most people with that medication and that most people don't make it back uh, so um, suddenly I see my my body on the pillow on the bed and at the end of my bed I have two huge beings of light with long white robe gorgeous two beings male that they had like um, blondish whitish hair 
short, curl, kind of a little bit curly like that, white long robe. Uh, they were looking similar like clones and uh, they said, Yvonne, it's time to go. We are leaving, uh, like, like your time here is over. We are, we are leaving, it's time to go. And I said, yes, okay. Uh, like it was totally normal as if, you know, there was that uh, curtain that was closing behind me and I was moving forward to something different. And I said, yeah, okay, uh, I'm, I'm ready. Which makes no sense because my daughter was uh, in the other room sleeping. Right. So um, it makes no sense in my normal sense. I would say, no, no, because I'm a, I'm a mommy bear. You know, I'm that yeah. huge mom I would never but I have to say that once we are outside of our body uh, it's like you have an amnesia of right. what's happened what just happened it's I always say it's like you just have close a curtain and you're amnesic you, um, you have amnesia you don't remember all the details you are in that state of peace it can feel like this life is a dream and we wake up there yeah like we just woke up that's exactly what it felt I that's exactly what it felt that I was waking up and he said, they said telepathically, it's time to leave. And, and they were very quiet, very peaceful, but powerful, tall, uh, handsome, and light, magnifying light around them. And they told me telepathically, you know, if on it's time to go, we're leaving. Behind them was a, um, behind them was a, a spaceship of light and it was open. It was open. Uh, it was a, a very sleek, white, very sleek, white, pearly like that, very modern. And uh, it was just open like an like a oyster, was open. And uh, I said, yes, okay. So I went in between both of them. We went inside it. They both had, uh, were sitting next to me, me on, and I was in the middle. It, it closed behind, above me. And the right side being, and they, they look like they were soldiers of God or something of the divine because they were, they were extremely powerful, but good, kind. But also you could feel that they were extremely powerful that when I was with them, there was absolutely nothing that could happen to me. I was completely a thousand percent protected. Uh, so that nothing would ever happen. So they, so I sat there and then that closed and the one to my right with his left hand pushed something uh, like a handle. And in one second, in when we say one second, in one second, we cross the entire universe. And when I say one second, it's really one second, but I could feel, I can still feel that feeling. And then we arrived, uh, I don't know how we made it, but we arrived inside a completely lit in place. Everything was bright. And there were about 20 people, beings of light. Everything was light inside. They were looking like us, but instead of vein and bones, they had uh, light. It was all light. So there was all light emanating from on the outside. And they were so excited to see me coming. Like, uh, and I felt like you said, I was finally waking up from, not a dream, from a nightmare. <laughs> I was waking up from a nightmare and I was like, oh my God, you know, like when you wake up from a nightmare and you're so happy in the morning <laughs> that it was just a nightmare, that it's not a reality. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. I felt, oh my God, I'm so glad to be home. This was <laughs> a nightmare. I'm so glad it wasn't true. 
uh, it wasn't real. And they were like, yeah, Ivana. They were like, hey, and they were so happy to see me uh, coming. They were excited. And I felt I was going home. That was my real home, my real people, my real family, even though I love my family at home and they my my family on earth as well. I just love them so much. And they probably are also my real family in that other world. Uh, it makes me but, feel like we're just aliens. We're like body snatchers. Like we take care of these bodies down here. <laughs> no, but you know, yeah, but I, I was, that's what made me think because my surgeon, as, and as you will see, is totally divine. Uh, this one was more like had that alien things uh, spin on it. And for the longest time, I didn't even dare to tell that one because I was like, I think people will think I'm totally insane. Right. Uh, so I was never, I was always focusing on only on that other one. But um, in I've done, I have a French YouTube video and I finally shared my story in French with including this, this <laughs> one. And uh, so... Um, Eventually, so they were so happy. They were welcoming me and I was so happy and relieved to be with them. And we were, and everything was bright. Everything was made of light, like solid light. Uh, I saw the, the floor was solid light. They had some kind of furniture. Everything was made from- Was this still in that spaceship? No, I'm sorry. I said, we arrived and um, we arrived and uh, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna fast forward everything else. And then we were inside, uh, inside a space. We were inside, indoors. Okay. But it was no longer the spaceship. Uh, okay. Probably my memory has been, has been erased between those two times because uh, how I made it inside. Uh, Maybe it landed inside. I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm still processing how I can share all these things. Okay. <laughs> So I'm like, people who think yeah, she's insane because we did land. Uh, and uh, so, well, we are inside the, uh, that space uh, now. We are no longer in the spaceship. We are inside the, the space and it's indoor because there are some furniture around. Uh, it's all lit up, but the furniture are made of solid light. Like, you know, like it's not wood or or, or you know, it, or leather. It's really solid light. Uh, the table, everything is solid light. It emanates <coughs> from inside out. And those beings that welcome me emanate also from inside out. And um, and they are welcoming me. You know, like when it's your big birthday party and you're the center of attention and everybody's celebrating you. Uh, that's exactly how I felt. I was. I, it, it was, everybody was surrounding me and so happy to see me. Oh my God, I'm oh, happy to see you again. And, and we were all catching up and what's happening on earth. And, and, we're, and I was sharing and they were asking questions. It was just like that joyous uh, celebration. And, and, it's, and then I felt relieved that I was home. But then uh, one of the being, a feminine being came to me and, and then she held my, my head like that. And she said, with her, my head with her hand, uh, hands, and she said, your experience on planet Earth is such a difficult one. That's word by word what she said. Because you remember my life and everything. Yeah. And, then I, and, and then I was on my own trying to make it. 
And I said, yeah, it's hard, it's difficult. It's just a difficult place, so hard. And she said, unfortunately, you'll have to go back. Uh, you have to go back, but you'll, you know, like you'll be back. This is what you have to do now. And I knew that I wasn't finished on that. And, and I knew Earth was extremely far away. And uh, I knew I had to go back there. You know, when I say far away, I said, I could sense, uh, I could sense planets. I could sense, uh, uh, you know, dimension. I could sense it was really far away. It's not like we were on the moon and, and then the earth. I could sense I was uh, even galaxy. I could feel it was extremely far. And, uh, and then I said, yes, I have to go back. Uh, like, you know, my mission is not finished. My schooling is not finished. Uh, what I have to do there is not finished. What I have to learn there is not finished. So uh, I know I have to go back. And when she said that, those two beings of light, gorgeous beings of light, <laughs> uh, came, <laughs> came back, were back. They were not there during those moments. They just were back. And they were waiting there in their, you know, like, you know, like those escorts, when you see those big presidents and, and you see the escort around them, you know oh. what I mean? Uh, but they're good ones, they're not going to kill you, <laughs> and they are full of light and of, you know, interdimensional beings that you know nobody can actually fight those beings, that they're almighty. That's how I felt. Uh, angels, people say angels, you know, and, uh, and uh, so they're back, and the same way we went we we came uh, we came we went back. I went back in between them. Went back into that that spaceship. It closed, and in one second we had moved to Earth. And I felt my my spirit reintegrate my body. So that is my first experience. I mean, how do you share that? You know that I haven't met many people that had NDE that had also that element, but I met one lady in uh, IONS, my first IONS conference, we always felt we were connected. I mean, I don't want to make any ad uh, with any company, but it's my first near-death experience uh, conference. Uh, so, and she and I always felt we had to meet, we had to connect, we felt a connection. And eventually we had a breakfast the, the last day of the conference. And uh, she said, um, we have to share something together. I said, yeah. So we share each other and she was at the hospital between life and death. And she had exactly the same experience as me. Wow. Was taken in a container, arrived there, landed, and was in that light, uh, lit up. We had the same, we went to the same place. And uh, that was amazing to see uh, somebody who had a near-death experience who was dead. And she was pronounced clinically dead and had the same, the same uh, journey as I had. The spaceship, the, the guides, everything. the escorts, everything. everything. And the light and the furniture that were lit up, the floor lit up, everything. She, she had the same, the same experience and uh, it was just amazing. So that was my first one. And about two or three weeks later, I don't have the date because I was not like, oh, I had an ND because it's later that I realized I had those two NDs because I wasn't in the NDE group knowing, oh, you, you know, I was in the str strongly in the Christian world. And I was really happy that that had happened to me. I said, oh my God, that's amazing. Then you uh, woke up. What did you think? Like from that? 
I, I was so happy. I was just happy that actually I had experienced, you know, those beings looked like angels. And as Christian, we love angels. You know, we're like, okay, this is, uh, this is it, you know, they're, they're next thing after God and Christ, you know? So it's like, I, I felt like my experience was, it was an honor. I felt I was really privileged to have seen that other dimension and not, um, uh, and being able to come back in this reality, knowing uh, it's a huge encouragement when you know that there's something after, or, you know, because yeah. even when you're extremely sad, you say, okay, hang on there because you know what's next. And, and that's, that's what- Are you I'm negative so... blood? Excuse me? Are you negative blood? You are, are you RH negative blood? No, no, okay. no, I'm not. I'm not. Okay, I was just curious. No, because I know that many that have been abducted have those. So uh, I, I'm not, uh, okay. I'm not. And I, I don't think I was abducted, it's making a difference. No, because, I'm RH negative, and I've just done these little polls, just near-death experiencers, not I, alien abductions, I, and most of them are RH negative, so that's why I asked. Okay, oh, no, so I'm O, uh, so... Uh, You're O positive. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, actually, um, on, the, on the second part, my second NDA is like two or three weeks later, and that's when I'm reading... I have taken that medication, which is really uh, slowing my heart, and I don't realize. So you had both these for the exact same reason, taking that medication at night. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Which, uh, which uh, that uh, um, anesthesi and Oh my gosh! In French, anesthetist confirmed it was that medication that that actually made my my uh, my heart stop. Okay. And uh, she actually, so I'm reading that, I'm, I'm reading, I'm on the sofa. And then suddenly my organs are shutting down. I feel it shutting down. And then instantly I am in the light. And that's what I was explaining. Okay. That amazing light. So one moment I'm here, one moment I am in the light. It, you know, I've always thought, you know, so many experiencers, sometimes they go into hypnotherapy later on and they actually see, oh no, but there was something in between, but your memory has been erased. And through hypnotherapy, especially for hypnotherapists that have uh, Michael Newton's training, uh, this was a, psychiatric, a psychiatrist who actually um, um, <coughs> hypnotherapy on people and he realized that many people were talking about in between lives uh, when they were here and in the other world and back and I realized that a lot of near-death experiencers go to those hypnotherapists be in between life hypnotherapies because uh, a lot of our memories are blocked from our experience and uh, we can actually find those memories through the hypnotherapy. I have never done one. Um, so maybe there was something in between, but to me, I never remember anything. I was one moment here, one moment I was in the light of God, in, in, in the light, the great one light uh, that you know as well. And it was just pure bliss, pure joy, pure happiness. I mean, I had the happiness, the highest happiness that that word entail you know it's just like you cannot live anything happier than that, that state of bliss and 
of worry-free and I was just basking there like a soul, like a soul that's just happy in that light. That's what I said to you, basking there. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the you word. bask in the sun. Yeah. It's like you feel so good and and you don't think of anything. Just enjoying the moment of utter happiness and, and joy and love. Uh, and then I was just there. And then suddenly I see coming in the distance. Uh, you wanted to add something about that light? I don't want to interrupt you. No. You were saying something you felt. Okay. So um, I'm in that light. And okay, so as I said, it's all, um, there's no, I cannot see around, it's all pure light. There's no beginning or end. I'm in that light. And suddenly coming from a distance is that being of light. And that being is brighter than that light I'm already in. And it it's actually sliding in the air, like hovering in the air, coming, flying or hovering or gliding. And I cannot make the shape yet. It's like it has a head, it has arms, and it has legs, but it just it's like flames. It doesn't have fingers or or it has or or a face with feature. It's like like a like a um uh, a figure of light. Like undefined and undefined and the the, the ends of uh, um a translucent one on top of that and it's you know like you see the fire how they end the flames but it was all made of light the hands were ending like that the the legs were and, and it was just moving like we're you know like like a flame <laughs> but very slowly moving like that towards me more and more and it was just i said and I'm looking at that being coming towards me and then it comes and it, it comes above me and it actually fly over around me. And when I look at it, it has a round face and feature looking at me, uh, eyes and still very not distinctive, but I can, I can see the, the feature. And it's actually looking at me like, you know, like a mother looks to her first baby born, like with admiration and care and love and awe. And it's just very delicate. So it won't hurt me just looking at me like I'm the most in amazing things in the entire universe or something. And, 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 and that love, I feel that love. And the amazing thing is that in heaven or in the light or in that world, in that dimension, everybody's like that, that love is for everybody. That's how we are loved. It's with that intensity. And uh, it just looked at me and, and eventually embraced me, engulfed me in its being of light like that. It engulfs me. And at that moment, I feel like I am I'm a four years old baby in a toddler in the arms of, uh, of my parents, my mother and father. Uh, as I said, um, that being was both male and female energy. It was a two in one, which makes sense. It was like a father and a mother, but all blend into one being, all blend. It was not two beings, it was one being. And it was the mother love and the father's love in one unit. 
And I've never felt that with anything else because we always feel energies. If it's male, female, we always feel it. But this one was like one. It was not genderless. It was both gender in one, both energy in one. Uh, and uh, so, and it engulfed me and I felt like uh, nothing would ever happen to me because I was in my parents' arms and nothing could ever happen. And when that, that being engulfed me, I was instantly downloaded this is jesus and uh, i always say the same thing i said it was not my imagination it was not because i believed in christ before that i saw jesus there but it could have been any other beings uh, it was me uh, you know i've heard that a lot people saying oh it's because you were raised in, a, in that now that light was manifesting into and I always say to people, no, if I meet you, Peggy, in right. heaven, I'm not going to say, oh, it's Janice or it's uh, Candice. You see what I mean? I'm going to say, this is Peggy. You know it. I and encounter God and Jesus there in mine. Yeah, so, and you knew instantly. Yeah, yeah you mean, know. You know, because in that world, uh, there is no negative emotion or stressful or doubt because doubting stressful and and they don't and people cannot trick you in telling you oh this is jesus but actually i'm not really jesus i mean this is again a, a mindset of human uh, logic yeah uh, i don't let nobody take world. it away from me no and in that world there is no uh, hesitation there is no uh, lie it's all truth. The truth is all the, the universal truth, the uh, interdimensional truth is there. So there is no uh, interpretation. It is what it is. <laughs> it's real. And Heaven real. is real and, and God is real and Jesus is real and angels are real. Yeah, they are real. I'm not saying that, you know, other things don't exist. I'm very right. open that uh, there are other dimensions, other worlds, other things. Uh, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to. to but this is your experience. But that's my experience. And when people are trying to tell me, no, it was because you, it, it no, because anyway, some people. Shame on them. Nobody should tell you that. Shame uh, on them. Some people that were Jewish saw Jesus. Some Muslims saw Jesus. Some Christian, my friend who is a, a, a Christian, when she went to heaven, she saw Mohammed and Buddha in heaven because they were there too. They are there too, but they were before Christ and they were, too, and they were sharing together uh, what good they brought and what humanity transformed to, in an ugly manner to bring war to the, teach, the initial teaching, which was the connection with God. But then uh, the human beings always want to control in, and it, and I will say that because I've been in a ministry in every religion, even the Christian, people want to control and they want to control the mass, the people. They want to be the, right. It's ego. <laughs> they want to be right. And so everybody else is wrong. And actually, we can say that everybody is right. That would be a better way to say it. Everybody yeah. is right. God, when you connect with God and with God's love, you're closer to, to, the, to, to the kingdom of light. I look at it uh, like Christmas gifts. You don't get your yeah. grandchildren all the same thing. You get them all something individually just for them. And that's the way these NDEs are. And it's, yeah, it is true. And it's different, but it's all true and it's all good. 
And we, and instead of making wars on earth all the time because we think we are right and the other one is wrong, and, uh, if we can all say, oh, that's awesome, that, oh, that's different. Well, mine was that different. Oh my God, that's different, it's great. So we are enriching each other instead of depleting each other, you know, yeah. of, of, of love and of understanding. So from my experience, uh, it was Jesus and uh, nobody will never take that away from me either. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, when you have felt, and I'm not talking about the Jesus that people are trying to make you feel guilty or, or horrible if you don't do this and don't do that. I'm talking about Jesus' love, the love right. of God, the unconditional love, Jesus. And that's who I met. I met that he, unconditional love for everyone and uh, meek and kind and gentle. I could never say anything wrong about Jesus or about Christ because I have lived it so um, he eventually uh, come to you know I'm download this is Jesus and when I'm downloaded that I feel that embrace and I have you have to imagine I'm in that light Jesus is light but I feel that there is I am in that place where everything around I know are planets dimensions galaxies and i am in that spot but i'm aware of the existence of all that too at the same time and here i am loved by that being of an unconditional of god in manifestation uh, god's unconditional love manifestation and uh so and and at that point i said oh i want to stay here i'm not gonna go back so but i uh, i know inside me because when we are having idea, and I know you, you, you know that too, we have, a, we have a knowing inside us of what things gonna happen. We, people don't have to tell you, oh, you are gonna have to do that. And you have a knowing. And that, because I'm in a divine light, I'm no longer, you know, I think my first NDE, I was in between two worlds, uh, but here I am right in, in the sphere of light, in the sphere of God's light. And, uh, and I know I have to come back on her at some point that I'm not going to stay there. And I don't want that. At that moment, when I had my NDE, I was dating another man because it was like two years between, two or three years between my, my breakup and this event. And uh, I didn't know what to do. And in my Christian belief back then, I didn't know if it was the will of God or not the will of God. And, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, and I'm talking to all my beloved Christian friends, stop thinking all the time, is this the will of God? And it's not the will of God because you make your life miserable because God gave you freedom to act and he's going to bless that as you act, you know, and I made myself in anxiety and, and then you stay in situations that are miserable, but you think, oh, I have to stay in that situation, miserable situation, because it's the will of God. Uh, God wants happiness for people. He wants gentleness. He wants kindness. And, uh, and so I was in that mindset that I was dating that guy. It wasn't working again. And, uh, but I didn't dare to leave because I didn't know if it was a will of God. And I, so Jesus, I know I have to come back to earth. So I say to Jesus and I call him another name. It's not him, but to, to protect the identity. I said, what do I have to do with Steve if you make me go back? And, uh, he, at that time he lifted up in the air 
So we are in the air. So imagine it's still all bright. Jesus is bright. He shifts in the air. Now he's starting to take a more consistent form. I see the robe. I see more feature. And he, Jesus changed four times uh, form because he's light initially. Like we were saying in the beginning, we're all light initially. And, uh, and so he was, he was becoming more and more consistent as, the, as we progress. And so he's, under, he's in the air with a white robe, shiny, he's bright, and he opens a bright screen on top of that. So it's all very bright. And on that bright screen, there's two windows. One says yes, and one says no. And he looks at me, so he's there in the air above me. And with that screen, he looks at me with a lot of love and kindness and gentleness. And then he says, you have to say no. He kicks on, he kicked the, the window of no. And then he says to me, <laughs> you have to say no to make sure I was saying no. And he said, you have to say no, no to the relationship. And I said, you know, so you imagine. And, uh, but he was, but while he was telling me that he was showing me how much love he, unconditional love he had for Steve, the same exact love as for me, because love, the real love, the real heavenly love, the real God loves, has no preference or no, uh, I prefer you to the other. We all love everyone equally. It's like a, it's like a feast of love for everyone all the time. And, uh, and also in that world, you can talk about different things, 10 things at the same time, because it's like more like a, a ladder than horizontal. So he was talking to me about, I had to say no, why things were happening, but he loved Steve, everything. I, I, I understood everything instantly. Uh, and I saw, and then I saw him even hug. He was, he was hugging Steve to show me that there's love there. Yeah, so he was just, uh, um, showing me, he and she actually, I have to say it was a he and she at the same time. And, uh, but we say he because we usually say he for Jesus on earth. And uh, so after that, I said, but why is he always so mean with his words when he gets angry? I don't understand, you know, because I'm not trying to boast myself, but I do think I'm a really kind person. You are. <laughs> You know, You're the best. Not to be boasting myself, but so it's oh, you are. <laughs> Boast oh, away. You. I love you, Peggy. And You're amazing. To, oh, you are too. And it's hard for me I've to. I've never seen you angry. Never. <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, when you have God, it's it's Christ love, and it's uh, it's because I see the identity I, we are in, in that world. And we are all like that amazing. We are all those amazing people. We are all those beautiful the souls. The first time I saw you is the IONS conference. And I'm looking around for a smiling face. And everybody has a scowl. And they do not make an eye contact. I'm there for this love, you know, that they advertise. <laughs> and to meet these other indie ears. And I'm not seeing it. And then I saw you. And I'll never forget it. You were gliding down that hallway. You looked at me and smiled so big. It's this radiant smile you have. I'm like, there it is. I saw an angel. I'll never forget it. We connected instantly. I yes, thank we you did. so much telling me that because it's really a joy for me to give, to give joy, to give love, to, I feel like I, you know, I consider every single being as a very important being, you know. And when I came uh, down to North Carolina to speak at your group, oh, you're just, you're constant angel. I mean, you never turn it off. You're just so beautiful. 
Oh, I mean, this is so wonderful you're telling me that because we never see how we are, you know? Really? You, oh, you don't know that, girl? And you telling me that really encouraged me to oh, keep doing it. Oh, I assumed you knew oh, it. Oh, I think everybody knows that you're Yvonne, but you apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I would say everybody would say that about you that knows you. Wow. You're oh just God. light. Oh, you're light and beauty. You almost made me cry. Oh, you're you? awesome. You're so awesome. You're an angel. You really it's, are. It's you just, are. Really deep, 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 deep down here. You know, it's going. <laughs> yes. You're, you're a gift but because you're a gift. I always tell people how wonderful they are, how amazing they are. So for you to say that to me, it's so, so uh, life-giving. It's true. It's life-giving. It's true, so Thank you, because um you know I, I don't know i have i'm at loss of words because i'm not used to get compliments <laughs> like that so i'm like okay what did i say <laughs> You're <at> loss of words. <laughs> please don't be at loss of words please continue <laughs> okay i'll continue, I'll continue. Uh, so uh when i asked jesus why is steve so mean with me with words uh, and then Jesus, I see him still withdrawn in that space. He becomes totally neutral. There's no, it's like when you Google and you ask a question, it's neutral. The answer comes to you, neutral. So there was no judgment of Steve uh, when he says that, or, or Yvonne, you're so much better than Steve. It's final. It, it was, yeah, he was explaining. He said, I said, why is he always so mean? He said, because Steve has decided to live his life on earth through his mind first. Oh. You have decided to live your life, to experience your life on earth through the heart. Oh, beautiful. But it doesn't mean that I was so much better. It just means he was explaining- The choice. The two will not match. The, the, you know, because actually when he was upset at me, he would yell at me or say mean things, hurtful things. while when we would have an argument, I would say, I can't say that because it's going to hurt his feeling, you know? So that was the, the difference. And uh, so, but I was kind of relieved that I didn't have to, uh, to be with Steve. And so, and then after that moment, uh, I asked a few questions and one that always stands out and I always share it because I think it's important in this today's environment. I asked Jesus because, you know, for me, earth was so far away. It was, I was disconnected from earth. Uh, and I, I, um, I asked Jesus, you know, like you would ask a question on something, uh, a museum, an art gallery in a museum. I said, why are people racist on earth? Why are they racist? I didn't understand with my spiritual mind now that I was in the light, how the mechanism was of being racist. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about all the colors. I'm not talking about only right. the light. Right. I have traveled the world. I've been to Africa, Asia. Uh, I've been all over Europe, Latin America. I have seen racism in all the directions. So um, I, uh, I asked why. You know, any, any normal, any person would say, logically a bringing geographical environment you were raised in that country where it's more racist or trauma you have been uh, you mistreated by one of the race now you have hatreds 
or uh, just a bringing uh, the family just hated right. other colors and they Taught. don't want it. So my mind was gravitated towards that while I was asking the question. And then Jesus said, it's because of their self-centeredness. And I was not expecting that answer. Uh, and it meant, and it was no judgment, oh, their self-centeredness. No, it was like Google, that's the answer. Yeah. What is it? Oh, this is the answer. Self-centeredness. Uh, and because when you're self-centered, everything has to gravitate around what you look like, what you eat, what you do, what you listen as a music, what uh, everything has to gravitate around who you are. So your point of comparison is you, you're self-centering. So anyone around you, you want them to be people like you. And anything that's not like you, that doesn't look like you, not the same color, not the same upbringing, everything, you just, just push it out because you want only people that are like you, because you're self-centered. Once you are opening up to others to try to understand others, the difference, and not be afraid of it or say, oh, no, I don't want it because I want to stay the way I am with my people. Uh, once you're opening up, there's so much richness. And then you, you decentralize yourself. I'm a mixed person. I have three races in me. And uh, I have white, black, and Hispanic. I have those three colors in me. Uh, so a Caucasian, my dad was Caucasian. And so- um, You're beautiful. Oh my God, you have the perfect oh complexion. Oh my God. <laughs> I would love to have your complexion. I'm so pale in the winter. <laughs> oh, you're beautiful too. Every color. God created- uh, every color like like a bouquet of flowers we well, i used to look to... like you i had your color hair before i started coloring my hair and mm -hmm. i used to be in the sun a lot more i'm in the sun a couple of days and i'm dark like you i mean i get i'm part indian no, and actually, i get dark I have, like you i have black hair and i have just put it a little lighter <laughs> <laughs> so you see we well, all so, see my black hair <laughs> 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 but blonde is really nice on you as I'm you get, as you get older they say you should go a little lighter and i just went way light so i think i've always known you blonde and i think it's yeah beautiful. my grandkids wouldn't know me brown because no. i thought about going back to brown before and i tried to my grandkids like scared them it? like we've only known <laughs> you as blonde like oh i never thought of that so I just keep it <laughs> it really is nice on you Thank you. Uh, I, I, I couldn't, I could not imagine you with another color either because I always know. <laughs> yeah, you. nobody would know me. And I look a lot older with brown. Okay, so stay blonde. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, he said uh, because of self-centeredness and I was surprised. I said, oh, I, I never thought, but it makes sense. It makes total sense. So if we are open to others and not think of self all the time and self and self and me and me and I, uh, we can learn from others and receive and it's enriching because you grow and you change into becoming a better person, a more loving person. And that's the purpose of why we're on earth. We're on earth for, to, for, for actually learning unconditional love and how to love others. And that's why we have all those hurdles and all those challenges because we have to learn to overcome them by Having an, act, uh, uh, having an action of love towards others and, and overcome them. Uh, this is a really great school. We're in a college here because we have a lot of difficult tests. But if, if we take them as not failure, but lesson, 
we grow because when we take some uh, something we missed as a failure then we feel discouraged to do more after we say I'm, anyway i'm a failure so i'm going to be bad all to all together but if we say okay no that was a lesson what have i learned through that and okay next time i'll do this way so you don't keep the burden of of that guilt on your shoulder it's over it's out and so you can move on I learned, and that was a total different experience when Jesus came into my room many years ago, uh, before my NDE, when I was ministering in France, uh, I was making myself so guilty. And, and, and he looked at me like, why are you making yourself so miserable? Because you're, per you're perfect, you're beautiful soul, you're beautiful being, we all are, and we make each other always miserable. And then we end up going even deeper in ugliness because we think there's no hope anyway. So, so you had a visitation? Yes, when I was in the ministry, um, 20, probably 20 years, 25 years ago, about uh, my uh, ex-husband and I, you remember, we divorced, we were in the bridge, we were not getting along really well, and uh, we were going to, we were those ministers that were pretending to be all fa happy family on Sunday, and uh, he, you know, and, and yet at home, we were just tearing each other up and so uh, I felt and we were talking about divorce so I felt like I had and then there's a whole lot story that will be in the book and uh, so I felt that I was really nothing that was really so nothing at all and <coughs> I, I prayed because back then I would pray and fast for, for days uh, because that's all I was doing I had left my job I was in the ministry so I was working 24 7 I, uh, for the for God, so I prayed, and I remember that day, uh, that night, I prayed until 3 a.m. on the the French cobblestone of the kitchen, uh, so old stone because the homes over there are made with stones, some of them, and uh, so I was just praying and praying and feeling like I was so bad and that God could not use me anymore because I was going to divorce my husband because in the church there's nothing like the church to be the most critical the most uh, judgmental when you divorce you're like you are the antichrist yeah. when you divorce it's very hard and very loveless I, I have experienced it uh, suddenly when we divorced nobody was with us we were the it's an identity crisis too excuse me it's an identity crisis Yes, yes, yes. And you lose your friends because they all think that you're in sin. Uh, it was, especially back then, I don't know if now things have evolved, but it was just extremely difficult. So, and you cannot be in the ministry anymore. You know, I, I was going and speaking about God's love everywhere. I was so happy. Uh, I was going to different in Scotland, France, Belgium, the Netherlands. And I was talking, I've never been one of those ministers that, that bring guilt to people. I was always talking about Christ's love, about God's love, for, and, and people that were tired with their emotion and the situation, we were there for them. Uh, to listen, to pray with them. So I was never, I could never put myself to be that person, even when they were saying, well, you know, if they don't do that, they will, it never sit well with me, even back then. Uh, I was not that person, but, uh, but I learned the hard way that that happened to me when I divorced. But it was all a lesson. It's all lesson learned. I have nothing against anyone. I've learned so much in humility because when you're a big show you know i was that big minister i had a radio channel and everything so you have that temptation to become kind of self-prideful because you're you know uh, so you learn to you know it was actually good that i went through all the journey after that to understand the truth of life and the truth of love but that night i was um 
I was just like nothing happened horrible and I'm nothing and at three in the morning in my room on the top right the room disappeared and there was a being that was there uh, and he was actually it was like the rest was like the universe without stars and I knew there was a being next to me, but I couldn't see him, but he talked to my mind. I mean, I'm not crazy. It's not like, oh, you. The crazy oh, I understand. Talk. I've had spiritual experiences like that. That you have telepathically. And uh, that being was actually rotating on itself through, he, wa he wasn't facing my back. He was in the back was there. And then it was a big robe, white robe, very, 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 with a lot of ripples. And, and it was shining all around. Uh, and that being was about nine feet tall and it was just rotating progressively to face me like that. And the music behind it was a celestial music, a continuous music. There was no, you know, here we have the heartbeat because we have, we're in the time section. So we have, we have the heartbeat. And, and so the music is like the beat, but that was a celestial music that's not, uh, it's not uh, depending on the time factor. So it was a nonstop continuous melody that was celestial and beautiful and soft. And while, and then he was just turning around like that. And when he turned around, I was just thinking, you know, I'm there praying and then suddenly that happened. I, you know, and I have to say that, uh, and that happened so, um, I'm thinking, who is that? And there's that being next to me that says, this is Jesus. So it's not even missing, oh, that's Jesus. It's somebody telling me this is Jesus. Probably an angel next to me or my, my angel, my guardian angel. Uh, so, and then, and then it turns around and it looked at me. I couldn't make his face, his face was just shining of light. And, but I could feel his eyes on me. And I was just staying like that and just kneeling like one of, you know, you know, like when you're a Christian, you feel so guilty on everything. Everything is guilt. You're a horrible person. You are, you're just a wrench that you've been saved by grace, but you were such a nothing, you know, which is not true. It is not true. We are amazing. We are really not nothing. Every, each of us are so important to the eyes of God. And, and I felt that way. I was in that mode. And I was like, I'm nothing, I'm horrible. I'm, you know, we are divorcing and, and the ministry will be breaking and people will be hurt. And, and, uh, and, I, and then I see Jesus look at me, like, you know, everything in him was pure, just purity. It's like a computer with, you know, that has been formatted to be just pure love, but it's a computer. It knows everything can go to every direction, but it has, it just doesn't have, bugs in it you know it's just pure and good and so that jesus was like that i knew um he was looking at me like what you know i, I will describe how he was looking at me actually he was in that space all his being was pulsating light uh, was pulsating like you know like the proton and the neutron that move together in science like you know all his entire body it was it was like in that space and it was just pulsating and as he was speaking to me simultaneously he was creating creating universe creating, uh, creating um, uh, 
anything that that exists it, it was still creating and that's the honest true that's honestly my story that it's the first time i tell it without any any reservation but that was true he was creating everything and i got downloaded that he's uh, he is not only creating he is creation you know and it's like god the the god or the the great one the light the love god is actually uh, you know, Christ was actually that light that God created through it. That's how I was, uh, that's what I was explained at that time. Uh, that's my story at that moment. And uh, so he was creating it. It was extremely impressive. Imagine that you see somebody in the space, like it's a space without star. It's that huge being, it's pulsating life. He's creating, you know, he's creating all kinds of things and talking to you simultaneously. <laughs> And uh, you imagine, <coughs> and so well, it's kind of like you and I are just talking right now. But then this will be, and thousands of people will be watching. I mean, yeah, that's exactly this. That's a great picture. That's a great kind of uh, comparison. And uh, so I said, I'm nothing. I'm really nothing. I'm so small. I feel like I have. Um, I, I will that you cannot use me anymore because I, I've seen we're divorcing and I'm just a horrible person. And he was looking at me like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like, why are you putting yourself in such misery?" That was the message. He didn't say that, but he was just looking at like, "What?" Uh, because he was just looking at me with so much love and kindness and say, "You are perfect." You know, like we are all we are all beating each other's up all the time, but we are not seen like that. We're seen as perfect, and and here we are, just 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 being guilty, and 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 we are not you know doing our you know we are we are actually hampering what we can learn because we are keeping those chain of guilt and you know and condemnation, and so we lie to ourselves. Excuse me. We, we lie to ourselves. People tell us lies that lies about ourselves. You're bad. You're this. You're this. And we believe those lies. And then we start telling those lies to ourselves that we are those things. But they're all lies because we're not those things. You're completely right. You're completely right. We uh, we have if people understood the the power of words. Uh, and uh, the implication and, and also the consequences through life. Some people have heard something when they were four and then they are 60 years old and they are still under that condemnation because it was done by somebody who impacted their life. So hold on a second. Jim, did you get <laughs> that can from that dog? Sorry. No. He's got his headset on and he don't hear the dogs making all kinds of noise. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know that's okay. That's okay. No, so, yeah, you're right. And then um, Jesus actually um, uh, said, what are you talking about? And then, uh, you know, like you're pure, you, I, you're loved, you, you're beautiful. There's nothing wrong with you. And then when I say I'm nothing, I'm so small, I'm so small. I remember he did that, Yvonne. With all the love he had, Ivan, the smallest things, I do the greatest things. Saying, if you feel small, beware, because Jesus will do amazing things with you. 
and you know us in the ears we ask why us why are we sent back because we're nothing and then you just answer it right there yeah yeah we are we are every single being is immense and and amazing and we're not nothing it's a lie that this dimension because on this earth the the energy is is darker uh, and it's heavier so you see all the movies nowadays and all the series when i grew up when i was younger you had that one horror movie of the year and everything else was fun and and now i see that it has shifted the other side it's all horror and hard and violent. And once in a while you have that one love story or that one funny movie. So it shows that we are actually surrounded by a dark energy. And, and scientifically it was proven that the, uh, the heavy energy, negative energy is heavier than the light energy. A light energy is lighter in its component. And that's why it's harder for people to stay in that space. But I do also see that more and more people are opening up to, be, you know, internet has been bad, but it's also been good because more and more people are learning that love is good and people like us, like you are sending the message of love. And yeah, you know, I'm not going to spend my time rioting and fighting and causing mayhem. You know, I'm not going to be at these stores breaking windows. You know, I'm going to be doing this just like you are. We're going to try to find some. And like you were told about the guy that had no arms and legs, he had the love of God in him, you know, because yeah. there's thinking with your brain and there's thinking with your heart. And so we do have two ways we can be. It's a choice. It's a, it's a choice. And also, uh, it's also an opportunity. Some people have been raised in very poor condition. And, uh, if you have the the privilege to to have you know to have had some kind of uh, of love or interest in in you, you are transformed as well. You can take a twin pair, a pair of twins, and one is raised by a, a family. The the doc the, the dad is a physician, the mom is a therapist or something, and he end up doing some becoming college and becoming that great surgeon, for example, because he was surrounded. And, and, and then you have his twin brother who was uh, raised by the alcoholic dad and beating him and sexually abusing him. So and at the age of 14, he leaves home. Uh, and he's, how he tries to survive is by doing all those bad things. And you see, you have those two lives. And we some of us have, even if my childhood was bad, I still had the privilege to live in that boarding school where there was rule and regulation and and doing things. I had, a, you know, I wasn't sexually abused, you know. So it was uh, those pain that people have or the the lack of love create what create what anger and uh, you know also and that's that's why bringing message of love like you do and like I, I try to do can help everyone heal from their wounds as well you know and say listen yeah you had a miserable i had i mean this is what you see i've talked is the iceberg of my life yeah I've and you you came from a home of privilege even though they put you in the boarding school you had the privilege you know yeah. Yeah. that wasn't really privilege yeah. because you didn't have your family's love and i come from a poor yeah. family and i still didn't have my family's love and so we no, kind of grew up yet in the same way of, of knowing we didn't have that 
parental connection. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that's maybe why we are more, uh, you and I are more sensitive to, to helping others because we were that child that needed help and didn't have it. Uh, and now we have it. So you see, I do think that these were all training for us to be who we are today and be able to do our mission. Uh, we had that training to, to, that was a very difficult training for you or for me, but we took that training to become a, a jewel in our life that we can actually share with others. And, uh, and that's the beauty of, of the, that we take out of that life. Uh, and like I was saying, we can either think that it was a failure because we were in that bad family, or we can say that was a lesson for me to understand what, how it feel not to have that love so I can give it to others. Mm -hmm. It makes can... me think of in high school, I said before, you know, say a fight breaks out and all the kids go running and cheering, you know, yay, get them. And they're all laughing. This is entertainment. They're having fun watching somebody get their face beat in. And but me, yeah. I'm the one that knows what it's like to get your face beat in at home. And I'm the only one in that whole crowd saying, stop it. I'm not going to stand here and watch this. Why would you all stand here and cheer? What is wrong with you? And running to get help to get them to stop, you know, because you see oh, it from a different when you've been when you've had your face beat in and versus the other kids, I'm sure have never had their face beat in. You don't know what it's like. So, yeah, stand there and cheer because you know what it's like for that person down there with their face in the ground. Well, everybody's yeah. laughing and cheering, they're getting beat. You don't know what that's like until you've had it happen to you. And then you want to protect, I'm sorry that happened to you. Uh, and then you want to protect them. Uh, I, I had a brother for two years after when we left between 14 and 16, 13 and a half and 16, when I ended up leaving myself and he was very brutal too. So I know what you went through. I went through that as well. So I know what you mean, uh, you were so strong and that's probably why you want to help and love and you took those foster kids. Uh, you have that feeling of protection. You, you need to protect the, the vulnerables uh, because you don't- Yeah, because I feel like yeah. people don't see with the same yeah. eyes I do growing up. They didn't see with the same eyes. You know, no. um, a little, you know, I was a little kid that was hungry and I'd go play with my friends and their parents would send me home when it's time to eat. And I would say, can I have something to eat? You know, anything? Can you just sneak something outside? You know, I was that kid. And so, of course, you know, if I see enough. We went to Michigan uh, for a while. So I was going to, I was accepted to law school and we were in the ghetto and I didn't understand. I'm from the country. I didn't know we were moving to the ghetto and we were in the worst place possible in the city. I just wanted walking distance to the law school because where I live, I always had to drive an hour to college. And I, I want to I live as close as we can as the law school so I can walk the law school, you know, <laughs> and not realizing what I got myself into. And so I had all these poor kids and they may not even be poor, but their parents weren't feeding them. And I had a little window by my stove and it was like a Dairy Queen because they knew when my kids would come in to eat they would come to my window and I would just push food right out from my stove. <laughs> <and eat> up. <laughs> it's like a Dairy Queen. You know how they have the window at the Dairy Queen, you just walk up to the window and they stick the food out. They didn't have to pay. I just, I was just like, okay, here's the kids. You know, what's the line outside stop. So we'll sit down and eat dinner <laughs> because you knew what it was like to be that kid that didn't have food where other people wouldn't think about it. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, and that's why, you know, I said, that's why I said that you're so privileged to have been able to adopt, even though you had pain later on about it, but you gave, you, you gave to kids what you didn't receive. And that's the most beautiful. Uh, I wish I could have done that as well, adopt. That was my dream, probably to heal something in me as well. Uh, well, but, I don't um, talk about it. And I did some in my book, in my memoir, but I ended up being abused by the adopted children. And that's really? something nobody talks about when they end up being abused by these, these uh, damaged children. Because I did foster care and everything went great. You know, I had the best reputation for help giving me the hardest kids because they gave me kids that would otherwise go to Department of Youth Services or mental hospitals. It was uh, therapeutic foster care. I worked with a team of child psychologists on a daily basis and we got the hardest of kids and I did great. I never had any trouble with them. And in fact, one time they, they asked me to quit my job at Children's Services and take one child. And I would have been paid a lot more than I was at Children's Services, you know, tax-free if I took this one child. And I was afraid it would be a, she would be a bad influence on my sons. I didn't want them to grow up with that severely damaged a child, you know, as she was. So I said, no, plus I love my job. But so I had a very good reputation. You know, I had all these kids. I had, like I said, 60 foster kids in and out. And then we adopt. And it's great. It's wonderful. I felt like Snow White with all these little children calling me mommy. And it was like this dream come true. So I always wanted that was great for a couple of years. And then they go into adolescence and they turned on me. Okay. And oh, my God. It, I mean, if I would have wrote everything that happened, it would have been a horror story. Not an NDE book. It had been a horror story. Worse than my childhood. Worse than being raped. Worse than anything I'd ever went through is what those adopted children put me through. And I couldn't talk about it because I don't want to shame them because they were children. You know, they were damaged children. It's not their fault. I don't want this to follow them. But it was an absolute terrifying nightmare that put me into 20 years of PTSD. Worse than I had from my childhood where I was afraid to go out of my house. I was afraid that someone's gonna pull in my driveway. And it, it was, I don't talk about it. I don't talk about it, I don't go there, but I'm just saying, you know, people say, oh, you adopted, it was wonderful. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, thank you. And I'm like, if you know what they put me through. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry <laughs> that I've heard that sometimes uh, some of the adoption can go sour because the, the children have already been too damaged by their first family before they are adopted. And it can yeah. be a difficult journey. I've, I've heard that that's possible as well. You know, It was just that. three of the nine. And so the, the other seven were hurt as bad as I was From by them. their abuse, seeing yeah. me get abused, wow. mentally abused, terrorized. Wow. You know, we're going to go to school tomorrow and say, you starved us and you're going to lose all the kids. You're never going to see them again. They had that power over me. No way. Yeah, no they way. had that power over me. And I actually, I have video of some of it. When I was getting ready to start law school, they they were, I finally, I took, I'll grab the video and I just right there and held it on them. They were saying that, ha, 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 tell mom and dad goodbye because we're going to go to school tomorrow and say, you starved us. They just got up from the dinner table, full big meal. I was a great cook, you know, full big meal. Their bellies are full when they're jumping on the bed. No, and I can't do anything about it. 
because they had that control over me. Ha ha ha. Tell tell mom and dad goodbye because we're gonna go to school tomorrow. We're gonna lie and they're gonna believe us. And the truth was they were because kids are recycled back into the system. That's what people don't know. But that's a whole nother story. But they're recycled back into the system. The system gets um when you adopt, it might as well still be foster care because the first sign of a problem, they're gonna recycle them right back in the system, just like that. Yeah. So anyhow. I fixed the problem. I took care of it. But man, I'm tell you, that's why I didn't start law school. I got my book list one day and I in 30 days, I was to start law school right down the street. And those mm -hmm. kids caused me so much trouble. I grabbed my family. And we got out of Michigan. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, but that's here and there. But yeah. <laughs> This is a long podcast, so we're just bringing everything out yeah, here. Well, because we know each other, and uh, and I'm so glad to hear. I mean, not that, but I, it's nice that you and I we connect to that level in a yeah. conversation. You see, in the level where our filters are not there, we are talking from heart to heart, yeah. generally, and and that's what's all about is to be able to to connect to that level you know and not just pretend everything is right but being able to share what what touched us what hurt us and what healed us as yeah. well do, and do you want me to and your memoir i hope you do that i hope you're as you know honest as i was in mine to to throw out our most pain because and in our yeah. most pain is when we got our miracles it's like in your most pain facing divorce is when you got your um, NDE, which for me, it's a miracle because yeah. I don't know if you want to hear just the end of, of, of my Anything. time in this. And Anything you want to do. I don't want to see, you know, so yeah, we telling the truth is what liberates us and liberate people too, because they feel it's genuine. Uh, and we need that genuinity in this world. Because your marriage actually had become a lie, like mine had. Yeah. It became a lie. And... I felt after that experience uh, back then, uh, I knew that I was forgiven that, I mean, and there was not even a question of being forgiven because we were loved and it, yeah. within that love, forgiving is actually meaning, oh, you've done something bad, you know what I mean? Uh, but in that place, in that world, you don't even go there, you know? And when, for, with my indeed, so, so what I was sharing was my experience with Christ, 25 years ago, but the NDE later on that I was at a head started with my boyfriend that I didn't like the, the, the argument and when I asked Jesus to um, uh, why we have racism. And after that scene, actually, he shifted back down here next to me and he took a much more uh, physical form. Now I could see that he had brown hair. You know, I, I could see he was like, 5'10", 5'11", next to me, and he had the dress of the Jesus that people think of, like a robe, a white robe, and he had another robe on top of it, and he was walking next to me, and we walked out of that light. We actually out, walk out of that light, that light, it's like we were proceeding out of the light, and as we were proceeding out of the light, there in front of me was the celestial city, the crystal city. And I was looking at that. It was just magnificent, huge crystal buildings. Uh, the sky was totally blue, but I didn't see a sun, but it was wide avenues. 
and I could feel that it was, you know, like when you go on vacation and the sunshine and the, 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 the sun is on you, the, the beach is there and you just feel like, oh, it's such a good time. Well, when I was looking at that city, that's how I felt. I felt, oh my God, I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm going home. And I was just, I, I, I was accelerating my movement to get there. <laughs> and uh, because I was like, I'm going home. I was so excited. And uh, suddenly I felt like there were people walking behind me, you know, like when you go to this, you walk in the street and then you feel some people. And I say, oh my God, there's some people behind me. And, and when I looked, they, they passed this, they passed us. It was a dozen of children angels. And these were angels because uh, they had wings. I've seen different beings. The beings that came to pick me up didn't have wings. I've seen other people that were not even dressed with white robe, but they were normal. Uh, I saw different type of being, but these beings were angels. I saw, and they had small, small wings on their white robe and small wings. And they were about nine or 10 or 11 years old between that, that phase between nine and 11 years old. Uh, and, um, and actually small wing, why? Because they were closed. <laughs> so we always portray people with the big you know, wings, but they, they didn't have those big wings, they were closed. And um, they were like tiny over there, like that tiny. And uh, they walk past us and one of them look at me and he goes, okay, just Sivan, there's nothing special, not a big deal, you know, Sivan. So, <laughs> and then, and then he looked back and he looked at Jesus next to me. And when he saw that his face, they were like, those beings were a round face and the hair were like um, silverish white, curly to here. And, um, but they were also inside light. They were light inside. They're, they're, they didn't have muscle and blood and everything either. They were just light. So it was reflecting outside like that their being. And when he saw Jesus, that, that little angel, his face shone really bright and it became like pure light, only light. And when the other ones looked as well, there were a dozen, they looked and the same thing happened. Everybody had those light face and they all rushed into Jesus' arms. And Jesus actually took them all in his arms. And then he said, he took them, you know, and they were so happy. And after he loved them that way, and, and it was, it's all into a very vibrant feel. It's not just quite everybody's, every emotion are at the maximum. So everybody's vibrant, happy. Everything is awake. <laughs> yeah, awake, awake. And so he just that took them in his arms. And, and then he said, um, with the most love, very inclusive, no rejection emotion. He said, this is Yvonne's moment. Oh. Go back to your, and I'll say it, I always I never said it, but I said, go back to your mothers. And when I turn around, I saw the most magnificent female angels. Uh, they were also about eight or nine, nine feet tall and long white robe and pastel. Some of them had different pastel color, long white. They had long hair to the knees, also emanating bright light, all kinds of colors of beings. Uh, it was just the most magnificent scene. And when they look at me, they said telepathically, Yvonne, you're home. Mm. 
we will never harm you. We will never hurt you. Your home, this is family. And they said that it was just the most, and, and at that moment, I decided I don't want to go back to earth. I'm home. This is home. This is really home. <laughs> and I said to Jesus, Jesus, I just don't want to go back to earth because um, that planet is very violent. It's a very violent planet. I don't want to go. I had already mentioned that before. Uh, actually, this, this when I said to Jesus that this world was a planet, I had already mentioned that before. But I repeated it here. I said, I don't want to go back on Earth. This is a violent planet. People are very mean in general and very selfish. They don't care about anybody else but themselves in general. Uh, I'm sorry to say that, but I know there are many wonderful people. But I guess I was seeing the, the part of, of, of people that were not that way. And I know, on, and I know many amazing people. I'm honest. I know not many beautiful people, but in general. The, the globe, the planet, there was a lot of evil, a lot of uh, me, wickedness. I said the same thing when I was there. Said that as well? Okay. Because, yeah. you know, people think that when we are with, in God's light or we, in that heaven, we always cannot say anything. But this is not mean. We are not criticizing. We are. I judged Earth to be a very dangerous place. That's why I couldn't leave my kids down there without me. See, yes, and I think over there we can be honest and genuine. We can say things. We we don't have to uh, to pretend that we don't see things. It's all the truth that is is exposed. And when the truth is that that planet is a very violent planet, it is true. So we can share it. You know, it yeah. is a Earth is still a, a very barbaric planet. When you see all the horror that happens here, or you know, we could so we could everyone be happy and have enough food and have the best school. But what happened? You have some people that have like billions, and then other have struggled to feed uh, their kids. So you see the the illogical unbalance of, mm -hmm. of husbands of kill wives, parents kill children. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's like we the amazing thing is that we can be you can see the best in people here that people could give anything to help and that same being could be horrible with somebody else and uh, it's like we have those duality here on earth and i guess that's what i was saying i don't want to go back and then especially seeing those angels and tell, them telling me i'm home i said jesus this is home and i'm home to stay i said i don't <laughs> want to go back and i said to jesus and on top of that that body on earth that container is broken I, I i cannot go back in that you know i don't think i can go back in that body it's broken i you know i was trying everything to for him to say okay you can say while i know my daughter was on earth and that's probably why i had to come back and i always apologize to my daughter saying that it's not that i was forgetting her it's just that when we are in that world there's an amnesia that's put in your mind you don't think of what you were i never had the amnesia you never had it. I I never thought of Earth. It I was just in that moment, and uh, and I think Jesus wanted me back because of God because of my daughter. I mean, and I'm so glad I'm back. I love her so much. I mean, she's my world. She's beautiful. And, and you know, oh, thank you. She's a beautiful heart. She has an amazing heart. She she's genuine. She's helping people. Uh, she, I mean, she's not going to be a therapist for nothing, right? You can tell that she wants to be a healer. 
so I saw her and, and I thought when we were in North Carolina with you and I looked over, I saw her and I immediately thought, that's what I thought my daughter would look like if I had a daughter. Oh, wow. This is so yeah. beautiful. I still remember you and your husband and the dinner we had together here. And so it's thank you for sharing. She's She has gone through a lot herself as well. And um, believe me or not, suffer racism in this area growing up. Uh, even though she's almost white, as she suffered quite uh, bad things, and but she grew, she rose from from that. She rose and became who she's now, and she's in an amazing relationship with somebody extremely loving. And I think um, together, both of them are doing amazing things. Uh, so, and they're you know, it's sometimes a relationship can be a healing thing. So when I said that to Jesus. Um, I thought, okay, he's gonna stay, I can stay. But instead he shifted in the air again and brought us to that space where it's all the black velvety space where it looks like, um, it looks like, like the cosmos, but without stars. But that same, it's a feeling of peace. You're totally at peace. And that we were both in that space. And then he actually expanded into half a mile high. He became like that huge hologram, but solid, solid hologram. And, and he looked at me, so imagine he's there, that huge hologram, uh, and he looks at me and suddenly it's no longer the, just the Jesus uh, loving. It's like that powerful being <laughs> that's actually, uh, he, his continents are like are like fields of energies that are pulsating and energy. And he looks at me and he says, Yvonne, lift your, lift your hand. And I, that's the only time I saw my physical, my, my spiritual body because it was, it was glowing of light. Now that I'm telling you, because he said that and he said, lift your hand. And then that's when he put his finger like that on mine. And people say, well, how can you put his finger because he was so far away? Because in that world, it's all energy. You can reach through energy. You don't have to have that physical. He, he could reach me even though he was over there. It just that sense, I could see it because there's field of energy. And he put his finger like that. And he said, Yvonne, I will give you my strength. I'll give you my, he said, I'll give you my strength. I'll give you my energy of life. And when he said that, I'll give you my energy of life. Um, there's that avalanche, uh, that, pow that power of water, that, uh, how do you say that, that uh, waterfall of sparkling, golden sparkling energy of light it was like dry, wet. I don't know how to explain it. It's like sparkling that came all the way into my beings. I could feel that it was simultaneously filling me here and filling my body on earth of that energy of life. Uh, and it was filling every bone, every muscle, every, every cell of blood of that sparkling, fuzzy, energy you know it's like those proton and neutron again yeah. and it was 
was feeling my entire body to the bone, to the nerves, to the this blood cell, to the, my DNA. It was feeling everything. I could, I can still sense it. Every single, single spot of my being was filled with that feeling until my ankle. And for some reason that I don't know, if you ask me, I do not know why it stopped at the ankle. Uh, and then uh, from there on, he said, Yvonne, I love my people. I love humanity. No, after the, that feeling, he came back down. He came back down and he wrapped me with his arms from, from the back, from back like that. He wrapped me and he turned around and he said, Yvonne, I love my people. I love every single one of them. I love my babies, he said. And I knew he loved unconditionally. And I said to my mind, well, you're Jesus. Uh, you came to earth to show us God's love and how to love unconditionally. Ah, you were sent, you were, you know, you show God's love and how to, to be that love with each other. So I was thinking it's normal that you love everyone. I was just thinking that. And then he said, I will show you how I love everyone. And when he said that, he took my heart, my, the essence of who Yvonne is. Really not the Yvonne the human, but Yvonne the, the being, the, the soul, the, 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 the spirit Yvonne, the, the essence of Yvonne. And he put it in his essence. In, that's why I say my heart into his heart so that people can understand. Uh, so, and he put it in, me in his heart, in his essence, his, his essence, and he blended together, like, like when, you, when you do a blender and you don't know who is who, uh, that's how it was. It blended together and Christ was, I was Christ, and I'm not saying that in a, in a way that I'm Christ, no, in another way, in a way that for a moment, he emerged with me. We merged together and he let me be him for half a second so I could sense, I could experience all the unconditional love that he had for humanity, for the world, for the planets, for the dimension, for the beings, the animals, everything that's alive was like a, a celebration and a burst of millions and billions of kindness and joy and love and, and compassion and, and, and tenderness and affection. Uh, it was just pure love. And it was just, it's so hard to explain that moment because I've tried so many times and I'm always not being able to because it's something that's from a total different reality and a total different uh, existence that it's hard to explain with our poor human words, how immensely and all, all immense, all, I don't know how to explain, the love and the compassion for each and every single one, every single breath of life, whether it's an animal or a human, everything that exists, the flower, the petal, everything was loved intensely. And in that, in that, in that amazing love, there was no, uh, no evil, no darkness, no, no, no wickedness, but only embraced in, in this unconditional love. And, and then after that amazing moment that I'll never ever forget, he detached from himself, we demerged. 
And I knew at that time that my moment with Jesus was over and my moment in heaven was over and it was time for me to go back to earth and to my body. And, um, and that was it. And we just, I, I did, I did, it, it's hard because I can still see this scene that, okay, it's up your time. You know, it's like when you go to a therapist and then, okay, time is up. You were there in the middle of <laughs> explaining your childhood and then suddenly, okay, uh, time to go back over. Uh, that's how I felt, I felt what? It's over. Uh, and, uh, and then I felt myself moving from every dimension, from different dimension, different reality and coming back to this body and inside it. And of course, uh, that made me ecstatic because oftentimes people that had an NDE feel like after they are really depressed. But for me, knowing my background was working with God, uh, being with Christ. And then suddenly I have that experience. I mean, this is mind blowing. I, I felt so privileged and so, so amazingly honored and for me it was a good news that i basked for a long time the side effect of depression and of sadness and came way later when i had started to uh, to come back to reintegrate little by little this world <laughs> because when i came back it was hard for me to go to church as well i'll, I'll be honest because when I was going, uh, the pastor would talk about, uh, you know, when Jesus will come, he's going to just take the rod and put the <laughs> there and the one there, and then you'll all go and burn in hell. And I was thinking, no, Jesus would never do that. I know, I know, I've, I've seen, I've been there. So it was hard for me to listen to message. And I want to say, we need, uh, you know, a kind message to anyone who is in the Christian church, please, please forget about the condemnation, the evil and, uh, 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 and this one. Focus on the good, focus on God, focus on love, focus on, on unconditional love of Christ and, and try to adapt that into your own life. Uh, everything that's negative will actually, um, we will become critical of others, judgmental of others, we are not God. <laughs> uh, so, but one thing we're sure is that when you pray, if, when you practice Christ's message, which is a message of unconditional love and giving and helping and accepting and embracing everyone, well, then you can say you are actually part of, you know, you follow that, that faith. Otherwise you don't because following Christ is following his action and, and doing it in your day-to-day -day life and embracing everyone in all the details of your life. So I, I wanna give that message because I think it's important for everyone and for anyone that's not have Christ as a, as a faith, but every other Buddhist, Muslim, everyone who is there, I wanna say God loves you and loves every single being on this planet because God is light and we all, we can, we can all connect. We can all When connect. I came back from mine at 25, I started and I didn't know why, I longed in my heart so bad to hear the Christian songs I grew up with when I was a little girl going to church in Sunday school. I longed to hear them. I wanted to be in a church and hear that choir singing those songs so bad. And so finally I went because I was with my ex and we were in Catholic church and it just seemed so dry and monotonous. And I just, I just, it wasn't filling me. It wasn't filling a spot I had 
And so finally I got my ex to go with me to my grandma's church and I got to hear those songs. And as soon as we were walking out the door, he said, don't you ever ask me to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Completely something he had never done before was set foot in a church that wasn't Catholic. Yeah. Well, you know, it is true that you have, I've been to every single church, I tell you. I've been in the Catholic, the Protestant, the Evangelical. I've, I've tried, I've seen, I've been in everyone. Uh, but you know what? I realized whatever the church, whatever, even I'll go far but with the NDE, whatever your religion you chose on earth, that's not that that makes you different. And Because I, when I was with Christ in heaven, I realized that uh, the Christian church had that elitic feeling, we are the saved one, we are the one that has saved, everyone else goes to hell. And that's not the mindset of Jesus at all. Uh, that's not at all the mindset. And what I realize is that, and, and I'll be very honest, I move, you know, where I felt as a minority the most racism was more in a, was. <laughs> In a, sometimes you know you, you know you go to, I feel like that those boundaries have to be moved if you say you believe in God open the door of your church to every race and everybody mixed together and that's the real church of Jesus it's like you all together all one all children of God together see I think racism is just like a thing of the past I mean I know it's still there but it just seems like we've evolved so far away from that I feel like the thing now is weight (laughs) because I was always skinny and I just keep putting on weight now I'm older and I feel it's not called racism I don't know what it's called but you know everybody's into this health consciousness and you got to be fit and you got to be all this and look young and they're like you can't be like that. And I'm like, but I don't want to be all self-absorbed, worrying all the time what I eat and measuring what I eat. And I just, I mean, I don't sit around and eat all day. It's just, I'm not active. <laughs> and, and so it's, to me, it's like a kind of form of racism because everybody yes. knows it's not okay to be racist against skin color, but it's widely accepted to be prejudiced against people overweight. Every prejudice is actually harmful yeah. and doesn't make sense because it's all I said that it's like we all chose different car colors and shapes, but the real us is the driver inside the car. And inside the car, that driver that we all are on earth, we're all beings of light. We all have the same consistence, we're all made of light, we all look alike. Uh, so it's totally ridiculous to say, oh, I don't like that person because it has, she has a, that shape of car and that color of car, or this one has a yellow car, this one has a red car, a blue car. Uh, oh, you know, it doesn't make sense. We're all the same inside. We're all beings of light. And, and, and I we- have friends my age that are just worried to death about wrinkles and looking older. It's like, this is just a can. We're, yeah. When we die, we're getting out of this can. We're not going to care about that. No, because it's again a distraction. We have so many distractions on earth. It's either the physical beauty, the age, uh, the status, the material thing we have to accumulate. All those things keeps us distracted from the main mission while we are on earth, which is to learn how to love the other in all the differences that we are and how to lift the other up and how to help one another, whether it's at home, at work, uh, to to just celebrate the other and 
uh, and not have any envious and jealousy. Envious and jealousy feeling is because of deep pain and hurts that we have in our heart because we were probably hurt and damaged uh, because with, in heaven, everybody's celebrating the success of everyone. Uh, actually, each group of people over there are focusing. It's like you have a group of people focusing to make that one spirit successful and they all work together. <coughs> totally the opposite on this earth. On this earth, people usually use everybody else for them to rise. And it's the reverse system in heaven. Everybody is helping one soul to succeed. But, and I say that all the time, if imagine if we could all do that on this earth or say, okay, okay, I see that Peggy has that project. How can we help her uh, have that channel get more view? We all will pitch, oh, you know, I am a technician. Oh, I can do that. I'll help you with that. I'll help you with that. And then you see somebody else that has another project and we all pitch it. We would be such a successful planet. Yeah. Everyone would be okay and help it and, and feeling great. And we would be so much more advanced spiritually. Uh, we would probably more advanced technologically and everything because we would all work together and not just have one person be that big celebrity with all the things around it. It doesn't make sense because we're all human anyway. You know, I mean, if we think we're all human, because that's another conversation if people come from different planets on Earth. We can just talk all day. <laughs> okay. But anyway, thank you so much. We got the, the picture, yeah. right? Yes. Thank you so much. Thank and you so much. And uh, it's been so nice seeing you again. It's so nice, Peggy. Uh, it's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have, I don't know how many years, but we still, we, we stayed connected anyway. I think it was 2018, we went to North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so already three years, oh wow. Yeah. Almost forward soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, well, you. I'll catch up with you later, okay? Yeah, thank you for inviting me and I hope anyone who listened will have their hearts moved and it helps anyone who listened this. And take good care of you yourself or you and too. your loved one. Okay, have nice holidays. Bye, you too, bye. Bye.